0: Good morning everyone, uh, my name is Doug and my Dharma name is Jisung, uh, which, I re- uh, re- which I received at the Washington DC temple back in 2014. I'm from Fort Bragg in the Fayetteville area and North Carolina has been my new home for the past year and a half since I moved from Fort Lewis, Washington State. I have been enjoying the rich history of the East Coast and I'm very thankful for our temple in Chapel Hill as there was no one Buddhist temple to attend in my previous duty station. Although I was born and raised in Korea until I was 16, I did not get to learn more about one Buddhism until I came across the scriptures at the college library when I was attending Brigham Young University in Utah. A Mormon college in Utah is probably not the most common place in the States (laughs) to encounter one Buddhism. Yet, it still marked the beginning of my Dharma practice, and it has been an incredible journey. As I recall now, what I found most appealing about One Buddhism was its emphasis on keen observation of cause and effect when establishing one's views. It came across as a shock to me then, as my former faith taught me to rely on personal revelations from God and strict adherence to practices that are deemed sacred. My encounter of One Buddhism also also encouraged me to understand the inner workings of my mind, to seek happiness, instead of focusing on what is out of my control. The opportunity to immerse myself in One Buddhism finally came after my graduation, as I got to reside at the Reverend's residence next to the Washington DC temple for 10 months while I was doing an internship in the area. It was an eye-opening experience, as I got to not only closely observe daily practice of One Buddhism, but also implement also it myself. The minister's dedication to the lay practitioners and their frugal living continued to inspire me in so many ways to this day. It is amazing how the same principles offer new insights as I continue to reflect on and apply them in various circumstances. As much as there have been joyful moments, challenges have come along at times, for life is not without suffering, and things don't always turn out the way we want them to. However, appreciating the Dharma has helped me to cope with difficult moments by trying to view life from a long-term perspective and accepting situations as they are. I look forward to encountering more experiences and finding out what new lessons I will learn through them. When it comes to practice and contemplation of the Dharma, the truth of Sang is its foundation. Sang literally means the one circle. It is very hard to miss it for anyone who visits our temple. It's right here. Uh, because it is one of the few, if not the only religious symbol you would locate in one Buddhist temples. Just as the circle has no particular point of beginning or end, this simple shape symbolizes the source of all things in the universe, the mind seal of all the Buddhas and sages, and the original nature of all sentient beings. According to the scripture, when one practitioner noticed that one Buddhist temples had no Buddhist images, which are pretty common in many other Buddhist traditions, he inquired this matter to founding teacher So san. He answered that, quote, While a Buddha image manifests the physical form of the Buddha, Iwan Sang manifests the mind essence of the Buddha. The physical form represents only his human form, but the mind essence is vast and infinite, combining being and non being and sustaining itself beyond time. End of quote. This symbolism of the one circle expands our perspectives beyond individual specifics, not because our unique values don't matter, but adopting a cosmic view helps us to restore our nature that is originally free from all preconceived opinions. As we reflect on the completeness and perfect roundness of Sang, we remind ourselves of our true nature and feel gratitude towards the fourfold grace. The principal Book of One Buddhism clarifies that the Ilwon Sang represents the realm where there is no discrimination regarding great and small being and non-being. As such, no limits or fixed concepts restrict the ultimate reality. It is not associated with any specific individuals, but represents the universal nature that we all share that extends beyond our temporal existence and forms. Yet the narrative turns around from this transcending aspect of Sang to its physical manifestations. The scripture notes that they appear as forms of great and small, being and non-being, expressed through language, names, and signs. Upon reading this portion of the text, I found myself struggling with a question. How could the Dharma transcend impermanent values, but yet at the same time appear through them? It seemed to be contradicting, and it remained a mystery to me for years. As much as I agreed with one Buddhism's practical values and emphasis on factual approach when practicing the faith, coexistence between temporal states and their transcendence was a concept that I could not comprehend. Yet a moment of having a glimpse of understanding this nature of Ilwan Sang came across through a rather unexpected occasion. About three years ago, my unit went on a month-long field exercise to the National Training Center in California's Mojave Desert. It was during summertime, so it was quite an experience to deal with scorching heat during the day and abrupt coldness after sunset. I remember being on a guard duty with a fellow soldier on a late night. We were sitting in a truck with its engine running to keep us warm while striving to stay awake through the four-hour shift. Our duty was to monitor convoys entering our perimeter. We would verify approaching vehicles and their personnel and communicate with our command post through a radio. As we were paying attention to any messages that could come through the communication system, while keeping each other awake, I looked at the sky and saw the full moon. It was glaring in bright yellow, alone in the pitch black sky dotted with countless stars. As I was in awe appreciating such a spectacular view, I felt as if I was free from all earthly bonds and obligations, my mind roaming through the Milky Way. I then thought how peaceful and calm it would be up there undisturbed by any sound or slightest wind. Then, I became aware of my immediate surroundings, which could not be more contrasting. A loud mix of noises from the engine and heater, endless chatting on all kinds of topics you could imagine, and on top of all that, paying attention to the radio static in case a message came through. It was nothing but utter chaos. And at that point, the moon seemed just otherworldly it could not appear more irrelevant to me however no matter how far it was away from me the moon was sure a reality because it exists and i was witnessing its uncontested presence as a matter of fact i could even say that the moon was in a way much more real than me for it will continue to exist for eons of time long after i'm gone and forgotten Then who was I to regard the moon to be unreal simply because its state is so different from mine? And how much validity was there in such an argument other than it was convenient for me to make? Of course, even the moon will not last forever, as it will too disappear 5 billion years from now. The sun will reach the red giant phase as it nears its own end and consume the moon along with our planet Earth. So, it would not be quite accurate to say that any physical part of the universe is a perfect representation of the truth of Sang, which is free from the barrier of time and space. But the lesson that I learned that night was that the truth could manifest in various states and ways that seem so different and alien from one another. In other words, seeking and practicing the Dharma does not depend on the situations which we happen to be in, but our state of mind. Ilwan Sang's essence is not separate from our daily lives and interactions with others. It is always present for us to realize, as long as we are willing to observe our minds and act upon them. The founding teacher taught that Ilwan Sang is a symbol of mind essence, which is vast and infinite, combining being and non-being. And sustaining itself through past present and future and he reminded the practitioners that regardless of which direction or which road one takes at the ultimate stage they all eventually lead back to the truth of ilan that is to say it is not a matter of human institutions claiming ownership or having the authority of granting access to people only if they fulfill certain obligations. In 1845, when America was about to embark on its expansion into the Wild West under the cause of so-called Manifest Destiny, Henry David Thoreau, a leading transcendentalist, built himself and retreated to a small cabin near Walden Pond in Concord, Massachusetts. He dwelled in that humble residence for two years, reflecting on nature, his neighbors, And simple living. Thoreau would carefully observe his surroundings and record his thoughts and insights, eventually publishing them into the well-known book titled Walden. Among over a dozen topics, he discusses the art of reading which he much enjoyed throughout his life. As Thoreau acquired timeless knowledge and wisdom from ancient writings, This American sage expressed profound moments of such inspiration so elegantly. He remarks as follows, The oldest Egyptian or Hindu philosopher raised a corner of the veil from the statue of the divinity, and still the trembling robe remains raised, and I gaze upon as fresh a glory as it did, since it was I in him that was then so bold, and it is he in me, that now reviews the vision. No dust has settled on that robe. No time has elapsed since that divinity was revealed. That time which we improve, or which is improvable, is neither past, present, nor future. End of quote. 175 years have passed since Thoreau left this account, and much has changed. The Wolden Pond area is no longer a remote place it once was. Thoreau's cabin is long gone too, as a mere small granite piece marks its old location. Yes, the time has gone by. People have lived and died, and even America is a very much different country from what it was then. However, that ultimate reality which Thoreau experienced remains vivid and vibrant as ever today. For it is that realm which Ilwan Sang symbolizes and continues to interconnect us all. It is my sincerest wish that we try to become better individuals every day and continue to contemplate on our nature and view our minds. And by doing so, may we find solace in the truth of Ilwan Sang and embrace that ultimate tranquility and peace which are timeless and complete.